reading from the 42nd chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning with verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nation, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. I am from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Reading from the third chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 7. But when John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, 
the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Many people have asked the question, why was Jesus baptized? After all, there are three places in Scriptures. 1 Peter 2.22, He committed no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He knew no sin. Hebrews 4.15, He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So three times in the New Testament we're told explicitly that the early church's tradition was that Jesus had not sinned. So why come to a baptism for the repentance of sins? A baptism for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism to be reintroduced into covenant with God. It's a good question, isn't it? I think it is. A lot of scholars and theologians have pondered over that over the centuries. The best answer I ever heard, I told you last year. Answer given by my Gospels professor. She said, because he was. Get over it. It's pretty good, right? But I think maybe it's not enough for my mind because I want to understand things. So I've had the experience before of thinking about this and thinking about when I was little and my mama didn't want to waste water, so she bathed me and my brother at the same time. Any of y'all had that experience when you were little? That's nasty. She was putting me in his dirt. I didn't want to be in my little brother's dirt, did y'all? I don't know if mama was cheap or water was expensive, or maybe she, you know, she just didn't want us to get on her nerves with two different baths. But at any rate, she put us in the pool and we got in each other's dirt. And I've often thought about baptism. If, if, if what was happening with John's baptism is their sins were being washed away and they were being reintroduced into the covenant with God, then in a sense, Jesus came down and got into that water that was muddied with the sins of those people. I think that's beautiful. I really do. Then I thought about this awfully unfortunate incident where I had to go to Dollywood on vacation because my wife suggested it. And I could have fought that off, but when my little girl said, Daddy, I want to go, that was it. I was going to Dollywood. And then they said, pack your bathing suit. Now listen, I didn't want to be in the bathtub with my little brother. You think I wanted to be in the pool at Dollywood? Anybody? That's a no. That's a hard no. Because you're in there with dirt of all kind of people, and you know every last one of them kids is not climbing the steps and going to the bathroom, are they? <laughs> None of them. Especially one of them. One of them jokers put a floater in the pool. Lifeguards started blowing the whistles. We was all hitting the road like a shark was in the water. People running through the exits. And listen to this. They took a net and they scooped that thing out of the water and then they told us to get back in. <laughs> no. <laughs> and my little girl, Daddy, I want to get in. And I'm like, oh God, I guess I'm going in the water. So there I went into the poop water at Dollywood. 
But listen, on that day, 200 people shared the shame of a little kid. Do you see that? Some little child didn't tell her mama that she needed to go to the bathroom and she pooped in the pool at Dollywood. A wave pool, no less. And I'm sure she was ashamed. Don't you think she was? I feel certain that she was ashamed. Her mama probably said, you should be ashamed. Oh, these people had to get out of the water. But then all of a sudden, 200 people joined that little kid back in the water. Back in that place that had been for her a source of shame. Do you hear that, church? Have you ever felt ashamed? Anybody? I have. Man, you look back on something in your hindsight and you think, how in the world did I let that happen? And sometimes other people will make you feel ashamed, don't they? Sometimes people love to cast doubt over us and make us doubt our whole sense of personhood. I think for some people that's an Olympic sport. Some people use shame to impose power over us, to make us do what they want us to do, to suggest that if we don't abide by their will, we're somehow cutting them off short and ruining their life. People manipulate people with shame all the time because none of us want to feel ashamed because shame is a drastically painful emotion, is it not? It is my least favorite thing to feel. The thing I would hate most is for anybody I love to say to me, I am ashamed of you. And if it's that serious for us, don't you think it was the same for a culture where everything was about honor and shame? What they wanted was to build up honor for themselves in their public life. The people who lived alongside Jesus in the first century wanted to find honor for themselves, build honor for themselves, to be honored. This is why it shows up all over the New Testament, especially in times like when Jesus tells people not to take the seat of honor. Don't honor yourself. Wait for the host to honor you. Because honor was very important. It was as important as life and death to this community. And to be shamed felt like death. There are still modern cultures that embrace that depth of honor and shame. This culture lived and breathed it. And for the people that John was calling to baptism, to repent of their sins and to, to enter into covenant with God anew, to realize that they had broken the covenant with their Creator, with the one who had led them out of slavery in Egypt and had fallen slavery into sin and asked them to come and repent meant that they had to stand in public and confess that they had broken their covenant with Almighty God. And that, dear ones, would cause them shame. 
Some people will say, last thing I want to do is go up front in the church and kneel at the altar and pray. I don't want people to think I've done something wrong. Got news for you. Every last one of y'all did something wrong this week. Or thought something wrong. I did. Shame is a universal human experience. What Jesus did that day was embrace our shame. A person who was without sin, who was God in the flesh, came down to the waters that were muddied with our shame and fell into them as if they were his own. And embraced our shame. That's what I see there this week. That's what I share with you as we come to renew our baptismal covenant with God. Not that God has somehow moved. John wasn't calling these people to baptism because God had changed God's mind. He was calling them to baptism because they had moved away from God. We don't come to be marked and remember our baptism because God has forgotten us. But because we have not been entirely faithful. And at this beginning of a new year of ministry, we come to be marked and remember that Jesus has embraced whatever shame we have ever felt and taken it upon Himself. And to come today, is to acknowledge that there are times when we have brought shame upon Him. There are times when our sin has brought shame upon us. And that in the waters of baptism, Jesus embraces that shame and takes it for Himself and puts it to death on the cross. That, dear ones, is what we do today. We remember that long ago, our Lord walked down to the waters and stood beside a bunch of sinners and embraced their shame. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.